Hey, Heat Nation! Welcome back to Heat is Gonna Heat. Hope everybody had a good little two-month break. I most certainly did myself. Caught up on a lot of rest. Got a little bit better at life. Uh, but now I am back. I am your host, Kyle Russell, and we are here to chat a little about our favorite NBA team, the Miami Heat. And for today's episode, first coming back, there's only one big major topic that needs to be discussed. It's a Damian Lillard episode. Whole episode on it. Uh, I mean, it's the biggest thing to talk about right now. And I think it's also a little bit of good to catch up on what's essentially been the last two months of what has been, what are we at? Uh, two, yeah, about two and a half months now since Damian Lillard put the trade request in, like day 80, I think. There was an account on Twitter, I think it's Miami Clutch PE, something like that. He's got a little Mr. Krabs meme that he posts every day <laughs> with what day it's been since he did it. And I want to say it was at day 79 today. So it's been a bit of a saga. <laughs> And I guess where we can start with this discussion is some things have happened over the last few months. So just to recap some of the major events, uh, at one point in time, the NBA put out a memo essentially reminding all the teams and more specifically players like Damian Lillard and James Harden that they will honor their contracts and play for whatever team that they're on. That's a very reasonable thing for the NBA to ask. But it was very pointed mainly towards Damian Lillard because of the rumors that were circulating around about Dame's agent going to teams and essentially saying like, hey, don't trade for my player. He's not going to show up for your training camp. And yeah, that if that was actually the case, then he got a little too cheeky. shouldn't have been doing that. Fair for the NBA to send that out. But ultimately, Lillard always struck me as the kind of professional that would have honored the contract anyway. Uh, you may want to look more towards James Harden instead of that, but it ended up, to me that they ended up being just something to talk about for a few days in the NBA offseason. Um, a little bit later on, Damian Lillard did do a sit-down interview, which was something that definitely seemed possible. It had the, you know that This has been seen before as well, most famously with Jimmy Butler when he was getting out of Minnesota a few years back before ultimately ending up in Miami, but... Uh, the difference here being, though, is that Lillard didn't quite go the, the kind of scorched earth path like some were hoping that he would to, to help try to essentially force the Blazers' hand to trade him sooner than later. Instead, he went more of, a, of the professional route, again, mirroring the earlier point about the memo the NBA put out. But Lillard, professional in the interview, uh, when asked about Portland, he pretty much just tried to wave it off and just said he would not talk about that. So... Cold, yes. Distant, yes. But not scorched earth. He wasn't going out there like dragging them through the mud or anything like that. But he did also reiterate he did want to be traded and he did want specifically to be traded to just the Miami Heat. So again, you come away from that interview, uh, nothing too much really changed from that either. And then the last part uh, that was a little bit different is this, and I've mentioned a few times already, a little bit of an interesting juxtaposition between Damian Lillard, who's going through his trade request in what you could describe as a more professional manner, versus James Harden, who got fined by the NBA because he literally called his general manager a liar and reiterated it for emphasis. Uh, and said he would not be part of an organization he's part of. So he's very clearly trying to drive a wedge, whether between Daryl Morey and the Sixers organization, or between himself and the Sixers to help facilitate the trade request that he wants to the, I believe it's mainly the Los Angeles Clippers. So, again, you got some interesting things to talk about, but ultimately, nothing really happened, because we're right back where we were two months ago when I took the break. Damian Lillard is still in Portland. 
uh, Miami is still in pursuit. There have not been any real rumors of other teams trying to get in on that pursuit, uh, which we'll talk about a little bit later on as well. So, yeah, I, I guess hopefully they took their vacations and didn't let this like dwell on their minds too much because, again, nothing really happened. Um, but, and this is where I might have timed things well, over the weekend we did starting to get uh, some smoke about Portland and Miami discussing a Dame trade now, which makes sense. We're coming up on training camp, and so the timing makes sense, and we'll talk a little bit more about that uh, later on as well. So that's my recap of the last two months of the offseason, and where I want to take the discussion from here involves a podcast I listened to over the weekend from Five on the Floor, another excellent Miami Heat podcast if you still need more Miami Heat content, but they had a guest on from a Blazers-specific YouTube show called Blazers Uprise. His name was Eric Brandt. Uh, highly recommend if you're interested in this to go listen to the full conversation. It's about an hour long, very in-depth. Um, what I'm going to do is essentially just try to summarize what I think were the main points of this. Apologies, I'm essentially aggregating stuff, but... I thought it was a very relevant conversation, especially to, again, the topic of today. So um, what Eric did was outline the last several years of the Blazers organization, everything from essentially when the Blazers made the 2019 Western Conference Finals against the Golden State Warriors last year of the Durant year, up until essentially this summer. So we went through all the, the ups and downs, and there was quite a bit. But from what I pulled away were four main points. Uh, point one, which was during that time they had a change in Blazers ownership due to the death of the former owner that was inherited by a family member that did not really know the NBA and therefore viewed uh, this whole operation essentially just as like, hey, this is how I make money. I don't really care if it's good or bad. I just want to make money off of this, which this has happened several times throughout sports history. It's not uncommon to see. So second point then was because of that emphasis on cost cutting and maximizing money and not spending as much, they ended up hiring an inexperienced GM that was essentially caught in the middle of ownership that didn't want to pay too much and a superstar level player in Damian Lillard who wants the Blazers to do everything they could to put a team around him, luxury tax be damned. And when you have an inexperienced GM in that situation, doesn't quite know how to handle that, and you essentially get what we saw playing throughout the last few years, where you would always have Cronin and Blazers management essentially saying, hey, no, we want to build a team around Dame, we want to win with Dame. And then, on the other hand, they're doing cost-cutting moves. They're trying to cut salary here and there. They're trying to trade valuable role players like a Josh Hart or a CJ McCollum for just picks, for future stuff. And so, is you know, it looks like, say one thing, do another. So what am I going to do? I'm going to eventually trust your actions, not what you're telling me. And then the third point that I pulled away from that conversation uh, from Five of the Floor was that there was a promise made to Dame during the talks of his contract extension, essentially saying, hey, you don't need a no trade clause because if you want out, you've been so loyal to us, we'll get you wherever you need to go. So you don't need that. And so Dame ultimately forfeited a no-trade clause in his current extension, which would have played a massive difference in how this whole saga has played out. So quick segue before I come back to the last point four of that. Um, the just quick prediction corner thing. 
I believe no trade clauses are going to become more popular among superstar players going forward, specifically because of how this particular summer has played out. So, as a reminder, Bradley Beal had a no trade clause in his contract, did not even make a public trade request, pretty much just went to the Wizards and were like, hey, you know, privately, hey, this is over, let's just get this over with. And it took him about seven to ten days between the rumors circulating of the Wizards shopping Beal and him actually getting traded for a somewhat quality package. Like, yes, it wasn't the best thing because he's Bradley Beal. While he has been good, he has not proven to be able to translate those good statistics and what he does on the court with winning. But the main point there being was pretty short turnaround to getting that done. Whereas, again, Damian Lillard... Almost at day 80 now from his trade request and still hoping to get that done. And the biggest difference between those two, I think, is the no trade clause. Because it it just gives a lot of power to that player for picking their destination and therefore limiting the options available for the front office. And yeah, is is that a little bit of a jerk thing to do? Yes. But unfortunately, this is a business. Loyalty being rewarded is the exception that proves that rule. Point in case right here. If that is true that the Cronin and the Blazers upper management really gave Dame that assurance, like, hey, man, we'll, we'll reward your loyalty, and this is what they've done for the last two and a half months, that just proves it to me. If I'm a superstar player and I have all the power in contract negotiations, like, I already know I'm going to get max money if, I'm a, if I am the top of the top, like a Damian Lillard, Giannis, uh, Luca level player, like if I am that far up, top 10, whatever, I am getting max money, no question. Next thing I want is that no trade clause because that is going to give me the power so that if I want out of the situation, I have so much more leverage and control over that ensuing trade. That way, I end up more like Bradley Beal and not Damian Lillard. So that's the quick prediction corner. Uh, the last point from that conversation and this was the breaking point, apparently, between Dame and the front office, and I think goes to explain a lot of like how he has been cold and almost distant Like during that interview in particular, was Dame gave Joe Cronin, the GM, a list of teams to be traded to, and Cronin's response essentially was, they'll trade him to wherever, wherever is best for them, whatever is in their best interest. Again, in reinforcing that idea, right? Dame, with the amount of loyalty that he showed towards that organization, it amounted to nothing in the end because it's the business, unfortunately. So from there, I say, let's talk about what's in the Blazers' best interest from a business perspective. All right. Where I want to start this part of the conversation is actually focusing away from Miami. And let's just look around the league because essentially what the Blazers have been hoping for for the last two months is another team would come up and put forth a reasonable offer that then the Blazers could go back to the Heat and say, hey, we have Team X offering Y. That is more than what you are, so you need to pony up, right? Get a bidding war, this basic negotiation kind of stuff. But what has been interesting is how over the last few months, there really has not been any rumors of a team like legitimately stepping forth, at least to try to outbid whatever Miami would potentially offer. And I think, I don't think that is a reflection necessarily of Dame being not that valuable. I mean, very clearly Miami wants him for good reason. It is more so, I think, a a mix of several factors 
that more or less make this a really awkward time for Dame to have asked out versus maybe like a few years ago. Uh, and what I mean by that is you have quite a number of teams right now that essentially via a combination of they already have a star point guard that they wouldn't want to trade Dame for or that couldn't fit alongside Dame. Uh, they don't have like the picks, young players that Portland very clearly wants in return. Or they're just not in a contending mode, which is what you would need to be if you brought on Damian Lillard. You bring on a 33-year-old point guard that's being made, that's getting you know good money over the next few years. You want to be having that go towards a con- contending team, and not everybody's ready to contend immediately. And so essentially, for the way that I looked at it was, all right, I got 28 other teams outside of Miami, outside of Miami, Portland. Roughly, just glancing at them real quick. Where would I rank them? Would I rank them as a team that might, or would I rank them as a team that just would straight up no because of, again, one of the things that I previously mentioned? So, like, for example, I would put the Indiana Pacers as a no. They have a Tyrese Halliburton. Like, I don't think Halliburton and Dame would fit alongside. That would be a very small backcourt, nor do I believe the Pacers would want to move on from Halliburton in order to get Dame and then immediately try to go into contention mode. Or, say, like, a Cleveland Cavaliers that probably would be interested in upgrading from Garland to Dame, but they sent out all their picks in the Donovan Mitchell trade, so they would need to find some way to cobble together additional picks. Otherwise, Portland just, I don't think they would be, I don't think that would be a better package than what Miami could offer at that point. So, when I did this for those 28 teams, I essentially eliminated 23 of them. So, right off the bat, you see, like, the market shrinks down drastically. And really, what you left, what I was left with was uh, five teams I think might. Like, I could make, at least try to make an argument for it. Uh, Boston Celtics, Brooklyn Nets, New Orleans Pelicans, uh, Philadelphia Sixers, Toronto Raptors. So, Celtics... Uh, I don't necessarily know what kind of money that they would send in return, and they could talk themselves into saying that they are already a contending team as now. Don't bring on, don't rock the boat, essentially, or reinvent the wheel. The Nets, would are they're probably farther away from contention than Dame would like, and they would like as well. Plus, they just kind of got out of this with, with the Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving saga. Maybe they need a little bit of a break. Pelicans could be interesting, but I mean, you're kind of making Portland in the bayou at that point, though, because they already have C.J. McCollum, and do they really want to risk that alongside trying to figure out what they have in Zion? The Sixers, I mean, Daryl Morey likes big swings, uh, and in theory, you could do a Harden to in exchange for Dame, but why does Portland want to take that on? The only other thing that... Uh, the Sixers of, of reasonable value could offer would be Tyrus Maxey. They've already said they're not doing that, and I understand that from their perspective as well. So Sixers, probably not. And then the Toronto Raptors, a little bit of the same thing with the Nets. They're probably closer. They're, they're probably not as close to contention as Dame would like. And above all this, above all this, for why they're still only a might, and I don't even consider any of them like a definitive yes, is the fact that none of them are the Miami Heat, which is the one special place that Dame has repeatedly said he wants to go. So why outbid the Heat for a player that could then turn around and just say, hey, thank you. Now please send me to the Heat. Like you'll be, I do believe you'd be a professional about it. Show up to training camp, play in games, maybe not necessarily give like, you know, the, the 110% effort, but you know, 100% of his effort for sure. And then he might just turn around and say, thank you. Please send me to Miami now. 
So I think that's why for the last two months, you really haven't gotten any reports of other teams, you know, trying to put in offers for Dame. Like I said, in my research, I eliminated 23 of those teams and the other five I can make somewhat arguments for, but I could also make arguments against and none of them are Miami. So how do, what assurances do they have that Dame wouldn't cause problems or demand a trade not too long afterwards? So that brings us again back to Miami and Portland, new situation, same as the old situation. So again, as, as I see it, the the crux of the problem is this. Uh, Joe Cronin from the Portland wants everything Miami can possibly offer. All the picks, all the young players, all the ass. He wants, wants Miami to empty the cupboard for Damian Lillard, which in a vacuum is an understandable request. Damian Lillard is an all-NBA player. Typically, teams empty out their asset chests to go for all-NBA-level players. So, from Riley's and the Heat side of things, they don't see the need to empty out the cupboard because why? <laughs> where is the other team? This is where, like I said, in a vacuum, emptying the cupboard for a little bit makes sense. But we do not exist in a vacuum. In, we exist in reality. And in the reality of where we are right now, there's no other teams putting in significant offers for Damian Lillard. Does that suck for Portland? Yes. <laughs> yes, it does. But the reality of the situation is if nobody else, like, you know, if, if you're sitting there saying like, hey, I want four cheeseburgers from you. And I'm like, well, nobody's offering you four cheeseburgers. So I'll offer you three cheeseburgers. And you're going to balk at that. Sorry, there's not much to do. Did not expect I would go with cheeseburger analogy, but that's just what popped in my head. But the, the point they're being made is just. Riley and them do not see a need to empty out the cupboard. If anything, they still want to keep some assets left over. So that way, if they can maintain essentially some flexibility, so if they need to make moves in the future or over the next few years, they still have some powder left in the keg to blow, which is also a very reasonable thing for Miami. Hey, we don't have to do this. So why would we when we can just bring Dame in, still have some stuff left over, and try to win maybe not just one title, but like maybe two titles in the next, you know, three, four years. Now, some good news for Miami over these last few months has been how the value of some of the assets that they, they would put in the trade package have increased. So specifically, um, little shout out to Jaime Jaquez Jr., who did look impressive in the limited time he had in summer league and has since been seen with Jimmy, like working in NBA circles, kind of like a relationship kind of thing. And based off of his reputation as like a really hardworking player, I think that would somewhat like it's not going to increase his on the court value necessarily, but it would increase his off the court value. Hey, here's a guy that gets along with superstar level players, puts in hard work, seems to have some respect from his vets. That's positive versus like, oh, he doesn't get along with the vets. I would, that would definitely be a negative. But the other player that really took a step forward in terms of his perceived value, at least, uh, Nikola Jovic, who over since the last episode that I did, uh, Jovic was a quality starter for the Serbian national team in the FIBA tournament that ended up going all the way to the final match against Germany, where they unfortunately lost taking silver. But main thing there was Jovic being a quality starter. The highlights and discussions that I saw was really showed off the versatility of his game. You know, a little playmaking, a little bring the ball up the court, a little rebounding, a little uh, spacing. 
all stuff I imagine Portland would like from the forward center position alongside all the guards like Scoot, Shaden Sharp, and Anthony Simons. So, again, from this, hey, look, we're offering Nikola Jovic. He looks like he could fit really well alongside you. Looks like he might be ready to break out. Does he necessarily look like he's going to break out into an all-star? Maybe not, but he does look like he could be either a quality role player off the bench or maybe even a quality starter uh, in a best-case scenario. And that is still definitely valuable in a trade. Like That's worth taking a little bit of risk on. So Miami's two young players that they would include in potentially as options in this trade have increased some of their value over the summer. And then on top of that, they're still Tyler Hero. Again, 23 years old, 20-plus points per game score, former sixth man of the year. Like, that is a quality player. And even if you don't want him necessarily, he can still be traded for other, for other picks or assets that could be included for, like a, you know, again, a three, maybe even four-team trade. And then Caleb Martin, Kyle Lowry, expiring contract. Point there being, my, Miami does not have to go all-in, but they can still make a quality package of good role players, picks, intriguing young players, salary relief, etc., without having to go all in. Which, I guess to give a little bit more uh, definition to that, would be something along the lines of like, hey, we'll give you all this stuff, but we're going to keep like Caleb Martin and, and Jaime Jaquez Jr. Or, hey, we'll do all this stuff, but we're going to keep Tyler Hero, you don't really want him anyway. Or, we'll do all this stuff and we'll keep... Maybe like Jovic and like a pick or something. So, again, 90% of what, what's in the Heat's cupboard, just not going to get that, that last percent because there's just no reason for Miami to do that. So let's loop this back to the earlier point of what is in the Blazers' best interest. Well, looking across the league, they are not going to get competitive packages from 23 teams. Five of those teams might but they're probably not going to try to outbid Miami. So ultimately, you're left with Miami has to offer. What does Miami have to offer? Not everything, but still quality. It's still going to touch a lot of the areas that a team like Portland, who's going into a rebuild, want to touch. Salary cap relief with like Lowry. Hey, get some, again, get some young project players like Jovic or Jaime Jaquez. Get some quality role players, maybe like a Caleb Martin. Get some picks that can be flipped for other stuff in the future. It's, it's good enough. And then the last point I want to make about business here, and this is why I think the Blazers have screwed up the most when it comes to what is in their best interest from a business perspective. If you trade Damian Lillard to the place that he wants to get traded to, that looks good to the rest of the league. That looks like you're willing to play along with what superstar players want. And that's how you both retain superstar players like a potential Scoot, or that's how you have them recruit other players to you. So just putting that out there, good player relations is also good business. So and that would be and the only way to check that one off in a return for a Damian Lillard trade is to trade him to Miami because that's where he is explicitly stated for the last you know two and a half months where he wants to go. So with that all said, what's next? Well, previously I've talked before about the idea of like inflection points and looking for specific dates or ranges where something should happen. And if it does or doesn't, then that gives us a, an indication of what to expect for the next phase of however long this goes. So the next inflection point will be the training camp starting October 3rd for the Miami Heats. I believe the Blazers, they should start either the second or the third as well. But that gives us a little over two weeks until we get there. It works out pretty well. 
So I believe this is a good chance, actually, that th- this is actually it. That this is actually going to be the inflection point that Damian Lillard gets traded. Because the Blazers are heavily incentivized not to bring him into training camp. For two reasons that I'll give. First one is just it's going to dominate media day. All the reporting, the entire conversation around training camp will be about the Damian Lillard trade. And, you know, hey, what do you think about working with Dame if if he's going to be gone in a few weeks? Or like, hey, what do you think about this Damian Lillard request? Like, hey, is, is all this... Is all of us talking about Damian Lillard so much distracting you from trying to prepare for the regular season? That's what they would deal with for point one. And then for point two from more like an on-the-court thing is, you know, you're going to have to train with Dame. You're going to have to run sets with him. And essentially you're going to invest training camp time into trying to run on two tracks. A team where you have Dame, and then a team after you trade him for whoever knows what you get in return. And the easier way would just be to take the offer from Miami and be like, okay, we got these players, let's get them in now, we'll bring them into training camp, we can get them into our system, try to figure out what they can do, and then just plan for what will be the first year of a rebuild. And then conversely for Miami, if there was something where I think the Heat Again, not necessarily going all the way to like that 100% of whatever's in the cupboard, but like go from like an 80 to a 90%. It would be to try to get Dame in before training camp. So that way they don't have to waste the time, you know, training up a team that then would get shaken up radically by a Damian Lillard trade sometime during the regular season. Which, let's talk about that real quick. So there is still the possibility that the Blazers could stay, you know, screw it. We're still going to keep him through training camp. We we want that 100% of whatever's in Miami's cupboard. Let's take him into the regular season. Well, then they're going to run into another problem very, very quickly, which is Damian Lillard and Scoot Henderson both play the same position, and the NBA, I'm sorry, the Blazers cannot really rest them because of a new rule the NBA put in, which essentially says all star-level players, which they define as players that have made all-NBA or all-star in the last three seasons, which Damian Lillard qualifies for, they cannot, well, the first part of it is that they cannot be rested on nights where another star player is also resting, so that part would not apply necessarily to what's going on with Portland, but there's another part where it essentially says that you are not allowed to have long-term shutdowns of players. So, usually you would think in a situation like this, if the Blazers went into the regular season, they would say, hey, Dame, we're still going to trade you. We don't want you to get hurt. We want you to go just sit out for you know a few weeks until we get this trade situation resolved. That's no longer an option now. So the Blazers will have to play Dame. Maybe they'll put him on the light minute load, but he'll still be out there risking injury, which would then further devalue him. And also he's going to be taking away minutes from Scoot, who is the player that they should be trying to get the most minutes to because that is going to be the future face of their franchise, or at least that's how it looks. So you're kneecapping yourself again by keeping Dame because of this new rule. Which again, just to finish this out, uh, and I, I hope at least I've made a good argument for this throughout this episode, the smart business decision for the Portland Trailblazers at this moment is to trade Damian Lillard to the Miami Heat before training camp. They will still get a quality uh, package of stuff back. Maybe it's not the most, but it'll at least help them get set up 
for the next phase of their franchise while Miami can try to make good on their promise to Jimmy and in this situation also to Dame to get them a ring, which is what the both of them want more than anything. And obviously we all want as well as Miami Heat fans. I, I, at least I certainly do. So the plan for next week will be one of two topics. Uh, I will either talk about the new roster with Dame, assuming that the trade goes through this week. That, that could still be a, a very realistic thing that happens. But in the event that Damian Lillard is not traded, what I'll do next week then is make an argument that this Heat roster, as currently constructed without Damian Lillard, can still contend for the title. So that'll still be fun. Uh, I do thank you for hanging around and for coming back after the break. That'll be all for this episode. Please, if you can, follow the pod off of Twitter at Heaters Heating and myself at Kyle underscore B underscore Russell. Also, check out the other great pods and other stuff uh, that you can find off of at OTG Basketball off of Twitter. Links for everything are in the show notes as usual. I'll be back next week. Until then, hope you all have a good one, Heat Nation.